0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets.
1: This show is brought to you by Pet King Brands, the makers of Zymox and Oratine.
0: It's Behave with Arden Moore. The show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Oh. Arden Moore.
1: Welcome to the O Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Busy bees find the time to vote in elections. Ravens purposely roll down snowy hills for just the sheer fun of it. And for all you Rubik's Cube experts, it turns out that even slime mold can solve puzzles. So our special guest today is about to unleash lots of surprises about non- humans that are more human than you may imagine all can be found in the pages of a new must get book called humanimals incredible ways animals are just like us please welcome to our show renowned world history author christopher lloyd hey welcome to the show christopher
2: thank you arden it's a great pleasure to be with you thank you for having me
1: all right, all right, folks. Now I'm in Dallas. My producer Mark Winter is in South Florida, and we, thanks to the miracle of Skype, we're connecting to you all the way across the pond in the United Kingdom. Where exactly are you, Christopher? So
2: I am in Kent. So okay. a, little, a little bit south of London, southeast, and uh, you know we have lots of castles in Kent, and we have hop farms for growing beer. Oh, and okay, you know, we're it's on. A nice <laughs> place to be. Yeah.
1: All right. And uh, you, when we're getting ready to go on the show, I'm here in the morning. Mark is nearing the noon hour, but you're getting ready for tea time, aren't you? And Kent?
2: Exactly. In fact, I'm on my 10th cup of coffee, so I'm I'm ahead of you just by a little bit, I I should think. But it's, uh, yeah, half past four in the afternoon and it's getting dark. But, uh, you know, we'll be lighting the fire soon. And so it'll be nice and cozy later on, I promise.
1: All right. Hey, listeners, uh, brace yourself. Christopher is about to share some scientifically backed evidence that ants are stellar farmers and that some fruit flies may need anger management therapy and so much more. They're all from the pages of his new book, Humanimal Incredible Ways Animals Are Just Like Us. But we got to take a quick commercial break, so you know the drill. Sit and stay. We'll be right back.
0: Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. All behave. will be right back.
1: Hey, pet pals. Arden Moore here. Is your dog or cat prone to ear infections? Does your pet resist having his ears clean when they're inflamed or irritated? Are you also concerned about the overuse of antibiotics? help is here. Zymox ear care products offer soothing relief and you'll love this part. They don't require the ear to be clean before you apply the drops. It's just as easy as fill, rub, And done. That means less touching of those sensitive ears to help create a soothing, fear-free experience. And you only apply once a day. Here's another perk. Zymox, at Z-Y-M-O-X, gets its effectiveness from enzymes, not antibiotics. You'll find these veterinary recommended products through your veterinarian, most pet specialty retailers, and online. To learn more, go to Zymox.com, that's Z-Y-M-O-X. Pause up.
0: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. OBEHAVE is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now, back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore.
1: Welcome back to the Behave Show on pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest today is a hard-working journalist and a best-selling author, Christopher Lloyd's latest book puts the F, oh, I got to use the F word, in fascinating and funny. It's called Humanimal. It's hard to say. Incredible ways animals are just like us. I'm really glad you're on the show today, Christopher. And before we get started, let's discuss, uh, pardon the pun, the elephant in the room. (laughs) Humanimal. What the heck is that? I don't even find that in my alphabet soup. It's a combination of
2: humans and animals. And the whole point here, Arden, is that I was started off the research for this book actually out of the back of my previous book, which came out last year, called Absolutely Everything, where I tried to write a history of the world from the beginning of time to the present day for younger people. And, of course, the whole thing starts with the natural world, and eventually we meet the ancestors of today's humans, and we go into ancient history and modern history and then looking into the future. And it struck me that you can't understand the world around you unless you combine nature and human culture together. And it made me think that actually are humans that special. And I wanted to explore that in a bit more detail. So I thought that would make a, an interesting new book for young people. And I thought I'll take the key things that people would normally associate as being particularly human, like being sociable. You know, we like to work in teams and we like to right. play. We like and also we have feelings, you know, just read the plays of William Shakespeare. And they're all about how the feelings that are inside us, how they can play out in the stage of life. And finally, intelligence. Doesn't everybody think we're the most intelligent species? And I thought we could take these themes and then explore other animals. And then let's really see how special humans are. And what I came back with was a whole lot of different vignettes and stories of examples of how animals are just like us. And I thought the word humans doesn't really have any meaning. Anymore, nor does animals. We need a new word that combines it together. So that's where human animal comes from. And actually, one of my favorite writers of all time is a man called George Orwell. I don't know. Oh, yeah.
1: Yes, I know. (laughs) And
2: he wrote a very famous essay, which I read every year now just to keep me focused. It's called Politics in the English Language. And he said that if we address the way we talk to one another, we can change behavior. And if you change language, often that is the key to being able to change culture. And so humanimal is a new word that is about the empathy and about the links, not the differences between species. It's about, of course, these days as we're considering the whole ecosystem and the health or the lack of health of that ecosystem, emphasizing the links between us is really more important than ever before. That's why I called it humanimal.
1: Well, I'm going to go get a humanimal T-shirt and everybody's going to be looking at me going, what the hue are you wearing, right?
2: (laughs) Right. I'm gonna, I'm
1: gonna get it's a lot easier to say and spell than anthropomorphize. Whoa, that's a big word. So oh, oh. let's do the other elephant in the room. People are going to go, oh no way. This is just somebody just saying they're like us because we want to give them human qualities.
2: Well, you know, there's a long, long history of that, and you know, it's where religion and science actually meet. Amazingly, you know, people often think you know religion and science are, are loggerheads the whole time, but one thing they kind of traditionally shared in common is this idea that humans are special and different from other creatures. You know, people for religious reasons have often said this about humans and that we're not related to other animals or that we're somehow, you know, special custodians of the earth. And scientists have often said, you know, when we have a dog or a cat or a hamster and we look at them and they prick up their ears and they look at us, you know, that we're projecting our feelings onto them. And, of course, this is very convenient for science in many ways because they do experiments on animals, and the idea that these animals are in pain isn't something we perhaps want to dwell on. And it's very convenient for our society that is built around the idea of agriculture and farm foods and everything to think of animals as being somehow devoid of any humanity. So, therefore, it's okay for us to do with them what we will. Now, I think all of that needs to be readdressed completely.
1: I agree. I agree. And I I think what you're showing is, and, and, folks... He's a journalist. Just like uh, myself, I spent 20 years uh, working as an editor and a reporter for a major daily newspaper here in the States, uh, Christopher. And my Mm -hmm. best advice I ever got from an editor was, if your mother tells you she loves you, check it out. (laughs) So folks, in his book, Humanimal, he has, I looked on the back, there's like a who's who of about 14 different scientists, and and they're coming from all kinds of backgrounds. You've got uh, marine biologists, you've got ethologists, you got zoologists, and EIEologists, um, and these are folks that you were citing in your book, correct?
2: Absolutely. In fact, all the different stories have been checked and worked up with, you know, in, in conjunction with all these different experts, because there isn't anybody who is an expert in everything you know our modern one right. of the truths of our culture is that you have to specialize in order to to have authenticity and uh, therefore reaching out to all of them involving them in these stories and then making the stories accessible to a wide age range by putting it in the format of text and images that somebody as young as 6 or 7 can enjoy with their parents and grandparents that's that's what i do really i try and present this information try and tell a story because you know the real world is more amazing than anything you can make up you know sometimes adults forget that uh, they tend to think that we you know have to live in a made up world in order to have fun that's a sad state of affairs i think in some ways because the natural instinct of any creature human or animal or human animal is to explore the world around you that is what exactly. we're born and if we lose that we're losing a very very Important part of our nature. And I think we lose our sense of wonder and we lose our sense of hope if we don't feel that empathy flowing. So, working with these scientists has been absolutely important in it and very important that young people are given information that is really cutting edge and that is really understood by people who have been observing different creatures and different habitats for all their lives. Not to say that anybody has a monopoly of all the right answers, and not to say that anybody knows for sure if something is right or wrong, but this represents the latest thinking, and here it is accessible for younger people to dive into and to enjoy with confidence.
1: Well, one thing I liked about it, you're you're a family man. You got a couple of kids and a couple of dogs, so you you've got four kids, if you will. Older, um, but you I
2: think yeah, a, I'd add. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. My experience is limited in that sense.
1: But you do like giving talks to kids at schools, and I and I see that back in 15, 2015, you even gave a TEDx talk. That's pretty impressive.
2: Oh, yeah. No, that, that's fun. And I mean, my favorite audience, I give talks all the time. I've just been in South Africa, actually, giving some talks in Johannesburg. And tomorrow, I'm flying off to Cincinnati. What? Uh, to do some talks. <laughs> so I'm going to be, uh, you know, taking my woolly hat and my, my gloves with me. And then uh, later next week they go off to China, so I'm I'm all over the place. Uh, but what's wonderful is I really enjoy speaking to the widest possible age range, and 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 these books are not just designed for young people; they're designed for young people to find out things and then tell their parents and their grandparents or their teachers and find out things other people don't know. You know, when a young person finds out something other people don't know, their whole being is filled with joy and enthusiasm and and wonder and confidence and So that's why I like to put lots of detail in the books. That's why I try to make them accessible by working with great illustrators. But actually, there is a lot of deep stuff going on, whether it's cutting-edge research or some of the big themes. You know, how like humans are animals and vice versa is a very big theme that occupies philosophers and, you know, uh, religious people and scientists for hundreds if not thousands of years, you know, from Aristotle to the present day. But it should it's just it's there as a key theme that for, for young people to really start to wrestle with from an early age. I think that's great.
1: Well, we're going to dive right into this book, which is also very well illustrated by Mark Ruffle. we got to give a little credit to him, too. Yeah,
2: um, absolutely. And working with an illustrator is so important because he's actually someone who works quite quickly. Oh, and
1: good. That means,
2: that means get <laughs> Does chance.
1: that make him quick on the draw? He knew that was coming.
2: <laughs> right. But what is great is that we can iterate things. So, mm-hmm. you know, we can change things. And he doesn't spend, you know, it's not like an oil painting, which, you know, then you, you, know, you have to wait <laughs> three weeks for it to dry. Uh, you know, so... And I think that comes out hopefully in these pages too, that we managed to make the, the images and the text really work together nicely.
1: Okay, we're going to go into a lightning mode format after we take this quick commercial and, uh, and share some little amazing facts from the book Humanimal, written by our special guest today, Christopher Lloyd, but let's take a quick commercial break. So sit and stay. We'll be right back.
0: Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash, right after these messages.
1: Hey, pet pals, Arden Moore here to unleash some great health advice. It's time to be down in the mouth for the benefit of your dog and cat. Unleashing good oral care is one of the best ways to show love for your pet. Do you find brushing your pet's teeth challenging? Here is a terrific solution. Treat your dog to Oratine brushless oral care. Oratine makes caring for your pet's oral health super easy. The difference is the enzymes. The advanced enzyme technology in Oratine works to freshen the breath, it eliminates bacteria, fungus, and yeast. Yuck. They also reduce plaque biofilm from accumulating on the teeth. And guess what? None of these products require actual brushing. Woohoo! You can choose from these three products. One, a water additive that gives your pet the benefits of oral care with every lap of water. Two, a breath freshening spray with a gentle mister. Or three, a brushless toothpaste gel you can apply with your finger. If your pet tolerates brushing, hey, you can always brush too. To learn more, visit Zymox.com, z y m o x.com and look under the Oral Care product line. Do it today. What's up, pet pals? It's Arden Moore, host of the Behave show. Is your fur baby experiencing symptoms of stress, anxiety? For example, is your dog cowering in fear of fireworks or loud noises? Destroying clothing or furniture, doing some marathon barking, or experiencing major separation anxiety when you're away? Is your cat clawing furniture, being antisocial with the other felines in your home, or hiding in fear under the bed when company visits? If any of these sound all too familiar, there's a remedy that is literally music to your ears. I'm talking about whole tones, music specifically designed to produce healing sensations. But it's not just any kind of music. It's specifically tuned frequency music. The whole tone solution provides total peace for your pet without the nasty side effects of drugs and tranquilizers. It's safe, effective, and guaranteed to work or your money back. You will notice a positive difference in your pet. And if your pet is at peace, you can be at peace too. So just dash over to wholetonesforpets.com and use the promo code behave to receive ten dollars off. That's wholetonesforpets.com and promo code behave. Pause up.
0: Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on
1: Pet Life Radio.
0: Pet Life Radio. PetLiferadio.com. Hi, it's
2: Victoria Phil from Animal Planet. It's Meal the Dog. You're listening to Obey
0: with Arden Moore on Pet Life Radio. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper, and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to OBH. Here's Arden.
1: Welcome back to the Have show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I can't believe I'm talking to a guy that was just in South Africa who's going to Cincinnati and then hanging out in China. You know, I was so excited. I'm in Dallas. I might go to Allen, Texas in a couple days. That's only a half hour away. But, you know, be still my heart. Be still my heart. But we're getting right into this book. It's called Humanimal. Incredible ways animals are just like us. And at the top of the show, I teased you guys a little bit, but here to answer that question is the author, Christopher Lloyd. Hey, Christopher, and as you know, in the United States, politics, I try to be non-partisan, of course, but politics can get a little sticky. So Mm. let's find a more refreshing species that seems to do uh, very well when it comes to voting and making elections. And I'll just give you a clue. Okay, well, it, take it away. <laughs> all right. So, isn't it amazing that
2: you know bees have a very important decision to make every year because their nests get much bigger as the year goes on, and they have to find a new place to colonize. So, okay. they outgrow their nests, where are they going to locate their nest? It's the most important decision they're going to make, you know, for that generation. And what happens is that they have a number of scout bees that go and find locations within about a mile that they think are the best places and they come back to the nest and then they dance the waggle dance many with are dancing why not strictly come dancing but with bees yeah. and these this dance reveals the coordinates of that place that they found wow. that they think is the right place and then other bees go to each of these different places and they come back to the nest and they will join the dance of the bee that they think has chosen the best place to relocate after about three weeks the bee with the most other bees dancing with it is the one that is awarded the, the honor of being uh, making the right decision, and that's where they, they will then relocate. Now,
1: you know what? I'm sorry. I wish this wasn't radio. I wish this was uh, <laughs> televised because I can see all of us, including my producer Mark Winter, you and myself, in little bee contest trying to do the best dance off.
2: <laughs> oh, right. You bet. Wouldn't that be hilarious? Wouldn't that be fantastic?
1: Well, now, that's pretty cool. But let's also switch gears a little bit because this is kind of a lightning round. Okay. Ravens, those big blackbird You have pointed out that scientists show that they're not just obnoxious, that just like us, ravens want to have a little fun. Please explain.
2: Well, actually, you can find it. I found some of the most amazing evidence, actually, just from the stuff that people, you know, videos that people take of uh-huh. animals, of course, which is wonderful. But there's been some there's a wonderful video on uh, YouTube you can have a look at but it actually shows the Ravens just having fun by sledging down a snowy rooftop uh, <laughs> with nothing more than a kind of a, a little a kind of plastic saucer they found and they go to the top and they sledge down and they, they and then they try and sledge another way there's not so much snow the other way so so they abandon that and they go back to the first place again and they sledge down they pick up the the saucer go back to the top what are they doing they are simply having just and like that, maybe we might go skiing or sledging or whatever else. There's no, you know, there's some, sometimes people think that everything animals do must be for some kind of survival advantage, you know? And, yeah. Uh, no, they just have this dopamine rush when yep. they feel the sense of a G force whizzing them away, just like we do, you know, human animal.
1: Yeah, they're not being a dope. They're nope. getting a boost from the dopamine, which is the fun uh, hormone in us. All right, we talked a little bit about slime mold in labs. You think there's nothing going on there, but uh, help us out with that one.
2: Well, slimes are amazing. In in many ways, they're the most primitive form of intelligent life on earth because they're a classic example of a self-organizing system. So if you put a slime mold in a maze and you put food at the entrance and the exit of the maze, the little blobs of slime, what they do is that when food is scarce, they gather together to create a giant slug. So that if one bit of slime can find the food, it can take a little bit and pass it along a chain. Mm -hmm. So what happens is if you put food at the entrance and exit of a maze and you put little blobs of slime in there, after about two hours, they all join up. And of course, they solve the quickest way through the maze from one exit to the other by having gathered together to create a giant slug from the entrance to the exit. So wow. they've solved the puzzle of how to get through the maze. They've even put blobs of slime on a map of uh, a city like Tokyo at all the most uh, the subway stations. And then if you put bits of food at the subway stations, then the, the slime gathers together and actually recreates something that's very similar to the Tokyo subway map because it is solving <laughs> a problem of the quickest place to get from, the quickest way of getting from one place to another based on, where those bits of food are so you know slime molds are, you know the internet is a self-organizing system it doesn't matter yeah. you know you know your messages can go all the way around the world they'll organize themselves as how they get there there's no one in charge it's just if you think of the way the fetus in the womb is created over nine months there's no kind of managing director or ceo or investor that's saying you've got to do it this way or another way it's a self-organizing system so this is the most natural form of intelligence and it can solve the most awesome problems so in a way that makes us See, I think, humble, but also, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. or, you know the same. Well, thing.
1: Christopher, we're speaking with Christopher Lloyd. You've got to get his book. It's called Humanimal, and I love it. I'm having a blast. I've only had one cup of coffee, and I'm I'm jazzed right now. On uh, page 15, he talks about termites, and I'm just envisioning this. I don't know if you have this here across the pond in Kent, but Home and Garden TV is a big popular network here in the States, and right. there's always the next home improvement show. I got yeah. one now. Meet the Talented Termites on HGTV. Please explain what these termites can do because they're like engineering wizards inside well, your walls.
2: Just, you know, you think <laughs> if you look at the Manhattan skyline or, or Chicago or something and you you think that's awesome. You know, imagine the size of a termite and then it can build a nest that could be six meters high, which compared with the body size of a termite, is absolutely giant skyscraper. And inside this skyscraper, they have built air conditioning systems so that the air flows in just the right way for the sort of fungus to grow inside where they're doing their agriculture. Uh, they've built sort of systems where they have some that the termites are engineers so they can repair things. Some of the other termites are there to gather food. So they're sharing things together. They've got various different cells where the different types of ser- termites live, including the, the queen, who is a huge term whose role is just to lay eggs. She lives in her own special room and, and is looked well, after. Well,
1: I think she has what we like, which is the open concept, because she's got a big chamber, right? She
2: does. She has a big chamber. So there is a hierarchy, too, which, of course, you get in city living as well. You know, you have the, you know, the, the, the people who rule, the, the magistrates. You have the you have the people who do the work. So the division of labor is there just like it is in human beings. But the amazing thing is you know, this evolved in the world of termites 100 million years ago. You know, we're very late into the game. When it comes to living.
1: (laughs) Well, the other one that I really want to get into is we talk about that they have emotions and they talk that, you know, in your your book about the ability to vocalize and have a language. But deception on page 34, you talk about, is it called drongos? What the heck are those? And I feel really bad for the meerkats. What are they doing to the meerkats?
2: Well, you see, the drongo has worked out how to mimic the sound of an of an eagle. And an eagle is, the, is a real threat to the uh, the meerkats because the eagle could come and, you know, eat the meerkat babies and so on. So the meerkats uh, live off little grubs in the ground and worms and stuff. So they, the drongo, what the drongo will do is it'll warn the meerkats if there's an eagle coming with a special call. And then the meerkats disappear and... Uh, even if they're eating their lunch with a nice juicy worm or something, they'll be grateful to the Drongo bird for the warning that the eagle's there. Next time the drongo will give a false warning and there's no eagle there at all and the meerkats run off back underground leaving all their sort of dinner lying around the place and down comes the drongo and it will eat the meerkat's dinner for itself so (laughs) you know you can't trust you know another species in just in the same way that I'm afraid you can't trust you know everybody you meet you find the same acts of deception happening there in the natural world because of course sometimes it's survival advantage
1: yeah well your book is fascinating and I know you have written other books and I I love your titles of some of them. Absolutely everything, which is a great title. And (laughs) what on earth happened? Don't you feel like you're living a pretty cool life, Christopher?
2: Oh, I'm very, very fortunate. And I, you know, I write my books and I the best part is when I get the chance and I'm invited to different places to give talks, ideally in schools, in museums, at literary festivals. And I am very fortunate to meet such a wide diversity of people, whether it's in uh, Africa or China or the U.S. So I'm going to finally going to Australia for the first time next year to speak at a festival uh, there in Perth called the Scribblers Festival. So it's a real joy, and you know, trying to give this sense of wonder about the real world being more amazing than anything you can make up. That's the thing that really defines everything I try to do. And I think that, you know, when you mix young people with parents and grandparents and teachers and they all are together listening to these stories, then I think, you know, you can't imagine, you know, a better a better way of life. So I'm very lucky. Thank you.
1: Yeah. And uh, you get to come home to we have a lot of uh, folks listening to our show, over half a million. And a lot yeah. of them have dogs and cats. So uh, you better say something about Flossie well, and Millie and what's some surprising things that you have found about them.
2: Well, I have to say, I have written a little dedication at the front of this book <laughs> to Flossie and Millie who have made our family experience human animal in far more ways than words can say. And that really is true because I actually did not, my parents were not pet lovers. And it was only when we had children, my wife and I, that we got our first dog, Flossie. And I have to tell you, she is a buddhist dog now (laughs) i don't really yeah i've studied
1: buddhism go ahead go
2: for it she's a buddhist i mean she has such a kind of calmness about her an aura about her that you know makes and i've always thought of her that way and there's no reason that a dog can't be a buddhist uh in the same way you know that a dog can't be um you know aggressive or cheeky or whatever but she you know and to see that in another species really has inspired me uh, over many years now. She's now 13, and she was on her own. We only had one dog until three years ago. And then our vet said, actually, you know, Flossie is so calm that, that even though she's nine or 10, uh, she would be absolutely fine with another dog in the house. So we got another Westie called Millie. We called her Millie because we wanted to find something to go with Flossie. Now, you're probably thinking what connection. <laughs> yeah, I don't know I, that. I was in favor of Candy. Or maybe even dental, but both of those were Ah-ha-ha. And Millie, of course, Mill on the Floss. I don't know if you know your George Eliot, but it's a very famous, beautiful book by George Eliot. So Millie on the Flossy seemed to be a kind of nice link, really. So Millie, Millie is quite different, but just as lovely, and she, you can wear Millie. Now, you wouldn't believe you could wear a dog, but in the evening, I'll sit on the sofa and she will drape herself around my neck and she will lick out one ear and wag her tail on the other one, which is sort of air conditioning meets a sort of cleaning station. And then she'll just <laughs> turn around and do it the other way around with the other ear. And, and, you know, who would have guessed that? Unbelievable bonding and joy.
1: Well, you know, there's a quote that said, dogs aren't our whole lives, but they make our lives whole.
2: Well, you it. And- and I
1: think you're finding that out with Millie and Flossie, and and for other folks that have cats or oh, you know same slime same. mold, you never know. We can get a lot of emotional boost from our human animals. Yes, that's <laughs> right. We're all human animals. That's
2: the that's the point of this is that you know our DNA is you know actually we're talking about animals. Forty four percent of our DNA is the same as a banana. So maybe I'm just being <laughs> really. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Of course it is. So, you know, we ought to reach out a little further, perhaps. That's a a thought for next time.
1: Well, you know, that's quite appealing. And I know one thing. If I'm going to go to a cocktail party, that's how they all say it. I want Christopher Lloyd as my wingman. (laughs) Or I can be your wing gal because I think you would stir up quite conversations, sure much better than I do this and that for a living. You're going to talk about meerkats and slime and, you know, ravens and the fact that chickens can speak, you know, language in 24 different words, I mean, or whatever. Do you find yourself on an airplane or at a social gathering? Do you find like people start hovering around you, Christopher?
2: (laughs) But it can happen, I guess, from time to time. But, you know, I find that everybody's got intriguing stories if you just draw it out of them. You know, I guess, you know, your training would have been like mine as journalists. We are, are trained to try and tease out stories from people mm-hmm. and then try and tell those stories in ways that can be engaging. And um, that's what I do. And it's, it's a great way to be. And after over the years, of course, having met so many people and so many of them fascinating people, researchers who know amazing things but don't really know how to tell those stories, so that's where I guess I can play my part. And it is terrific fun.
1: You do a great job. And the book, Animal: Incredible Ways Animals Are Just Like Us. It's available at a lot of bookstores, Amazon, any other places we should direct people?
2: Well, of course, it's available on Amazon or com. But I always say, if you have a chance to go to your local independent bookstore. Yay. Store, do because they're run by passionate people who love telling stories who care about your children who want the best for them and you know we need to support them as much as possible for some people it's not possible so the book is only a click away and that's just fine but if you can you'll have a great time going to your local bookstore so I would just encourage people to do that if they can
1: and Christopher I wish you safe travels and I hope uh, you can be a guest on our show again with your next book but You've been uh, quite a delight. You're a lot nicer than those Durangos that are messing up with meerkats.
2: Well, thank you very much, Arden. That's a great compliment. I'll, I'll take
1: <laughs> I bet that. nobody's ever said that to you,
2: right? No, never before, but I should remember that. Okay, that's terrific. And uh, I'd love to come back on your show, and congratulations. I think it's your 12th year, is it now? I think yeah. that's Fantastic, and uh, and and you've got a half a million people who will be very grateful to you to for what you do.
1: Well, I appreciate that. At this time, and again, we salute our special guest, Christopher Lloyd. He is the author of "Humanimal: Incredible Ways Animals Are Just Like Us," and also our producer, Mark Winter. He is the man behind all the shows on Pet Life Radio, and uh, he does a great job. And everybody out there, to you all, we really do appreciate you tuning in. Our show, as you know, can be uh, picked up by anything, iHeartRadio, you name it. It's recorded. You can cherry-pick your favorite episodes, hint, hint, tune into this one and share it with your friends. And until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two-, three-, and four-leaguers out there. Oh, behave!